I, I don't know how many times I've heard the the saying over the last few decades, um, this is the way we've always done it. Well, this is the way we've approached this problem in Montana. Well, I, I don't really care anymore. Maybe I'm getting too old and too impatient, um, but we shouldn't be approaching that problem that way anymore. Those days have got to be over. This is A New Angle, and I'm your host, Justin Angle, marketing professor at the University of Montana. This podcast is my chance to speak with cool people doing awesome things in and around the great state of Montana. We are proudly underwritten by First Security Bank and Blackfoot Communications. Hey folks, welcome back and thanks for tuning in this week. We're bringing you something special today, some live audio recorded at the recent Innovate UM conference. At that conference, I moderated two micro panels and we recorded them live as our first attempt at this sort of thing for the podcast. The first panel consisted of friend of the pod, Brigitta Miranda Freer, executive director of the Montana World Trade Center and director of ops at Montech. If you missed Brigitta's previous appearance on A New Angle, scroll back a couple weeks and check it out. She was joined on the panel by Nicole Rush of the Missoula Economic Partnership. The three of us discussed the exciting things happening here in biosciences and the recent award Montana received from the Small Business Administration to develop a major biosciences cluster. The second panel covered early childhood education and highlighted a really cool collaboration between the University of Montana Department of Social Work and the Headwaters Foundation. I was joined by UM Professor of Social Work Ryan Tollitson-Nee, as well as Aaron Swatowski from the Headwaters Foundation. This was super fun, and I'm hoping we can do more of these sorts of live events, so stay tuned. Okay, enough of that. Let's get into Innovate UM right now. And we're live. Guys, thanks for coming out. I see some friends of the pod in the audience, so that makes me a little less nervous, so I appreciate that. Uh, really excited about this sort of setup here with the chairs and the couch. Feels like we're in this little fireside chat with 100 or so of our closest friends. So anyway, um, today we're going to be speaking with Brigitta Miranda Freer, the Executive Director of the Montana World Trade Center and the Director of Operations at Montech, and Nicole Rush who is Business Initiatives Director at the Missoula Economic Partnership. And what we're going to be talking about today is the Montana Bioscience Cluster Initiative. Before we get into that, there was a bit of a cluster at my house this morning. <laughs> so I sort of have an understanding of what that word means. But Nicole, what, what is a cluster in terms of economic development? What does it look like? Sure. So a, a cluster is just a, a network of economic relationships that creates a competitive advantage for an industry. So historically in Missoula, uh, when we had more mills and were more of a timber town, you could say that timber was an industry cluster in Missoula. Um, and for this project, the Montana Bioscience Cluster Initiative, we have identified bioscience as the as a emerging or even um, an innovative industry uh, that is very strong in Missoula and in Montana as a whole. So we're working to strengthen it and develop it. Yeah, so Brigitte, tell us about the Bioscience Cluster Initiative here in Montana. What's it all about? Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for asking. So before I jump into the details of this uh, contract award, I do just want to take a minute to focus on the fact that this was one of seven such contract awards that came nationally from the Small Business Administration. So let's just take I a moment. I can't clap with one a, hand, but right, can you help me out, right. folks? Right, let's just take a moment and congratulate ourselves in the state of Montana for this accomplishment. You know, I think it speaks to the fact that the SBA really 
took note of what was occurring here in our state organically, took note of the partners that were collaborating on this project, and really felt like they would have a strong return on investment by contributing to our work here. All right, so, so the initiative itself, as I said, is a statewide initiative. It's a, a collaborative uh, project that involves Montech, University of Montana, Missoula Economic Partnership, Montana World Trade Center, Montana Bioscience Alliance, and our industry sector partner, which is Swan Valley Medical. So there are four uh, key components to this. The first is messaging. So messaging about what we have here in Montana, the critical location factors that exist here in Montana in support of the bioscience industry, the intellectual capital that we have here in Montana in support of the bioscience industry. Uh, second component is a workforce development component, and I'm going to let Nicole talk about that soon, I think. Uh, but suffice to say that it's ensuring that we are aligning industry needs uh, and, and our, our program of uh, workforce development with industry needs, not just their needs now, but their strategic needs moving forward. Third component uh, to this project is ongoing technical assistance, really providing a continuum of support for uh, bioscience researchers and developers, bioscience entrepreneurs, existing bioscience businesses to help them from startup ideation all the way through assistance in exporting their product overseas. And then the fourth component of this project is a small gap fund that is really designed for maximum flexibility to help bioscience businesses and entrepreneurs with basically little micro-grants that they can use to help move their business forward. Yeah, let's talk about the, the workforce development piece, Nicole, because that's kind of your, your, where you guys plug in in the project. Uh, so why Montana? Why, why uh, would the Small Business Administration be sort of excited about making the bet on Montana and thinking Montana had the, play, the people to pull it off? Okay, I'll, I'll answer the second part of that question first. So the SBA... Uh, you know, designates these cluster initiatives nationwide. So Montana has been selected as a, a new um, strength uh, in the bioscience sector, and they've given us this award to develop it. Um, and why Montana? Uh, partly because we do have a very strong bioscience component in Montana, and especially here in Missoula, which is uh, why? Because we have a really strong university here. And a, and a lot of what makes our bioscience sector strong in Missoula and across the state, it has to do with research and education. And the, and the talent that the University of Montana puts out and the companies that um, our, our faculty there help to start and help to incubate through students and through their own peer-to-peer -peer relationships. So that's why Montana and why Missoula um, as far as the workforce component of the bioscience initiative, uh, at MEP, we are really focusing on workforce or talent development right now because we, like a lot of cities nationwide, are facing a worker shortage. We have a really low unemployment rate right now, 4%. We have a historically high labor force particip participation rate of about 63%. So in our community, everyone who you know, can work and wants to be working is working right now. We also have an aging population. So we're looking ahead. We're going to have to replace 
the baby boomers who are retiring, and that's going to be a big challenge for us as they leave the workforce with all of their skills and experience. We don't necessarily have a good pipeline of people coming forward to replace those skills. So the workforce component of the initiative involves bringing together our educational partners, the University of Montana, Missoula College, our K-12 system, with uh, those of us in the public sector who support talent development, whether that's the state of Montana, uh, you know, in developing apprenticeship programs, our job service that helps to train displaced workers, and, though, and then bring those components together with our industry leaders, our business leaders. And we all can come together, convene, and talk about what are gonna be the needs of the bioscience sector today, next year, three years, five years, 10 years from now, so that we can anticipate those needs, work together on finding solutions, and focus on, on how we need to train our next generation of students and workers who are gonna need to fill these jobs. Yeah, this seems like a big question. As, as you're laying that out there, I'm sort of thinking, okay, we've got companies and innovators, and we have demand for workers, unfilled jobs, et cetera, low unemployment. And then we have this university, sitting here that's having trouble getting students. Uh, can you guys connect the dots here? Like how, how, how can we as a university maybe um, plug into this partnership and, 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 uh, and maximize the, the productivity of all the parts? Brigitte, you work on campus, so maybe, maybe that could fall for you. All the big answers. Thank you, Justin. You got it. Well, the university is a primary partner in this particular initiative, and I think that We've seen already and most recently some really excellent success stories in terms of the university partnering with industry um, in a very agile fashion to help meet the existing needs of that industry and help to plan moving forward. Although we're having a discussion about bioscience right now, I guess top of mind for me because of uh, the program has just launched is the work that the university is doing in conjunction with um, ATG, which was just acquired by Cognizant and ramping up a workforce that's suitable for that particular firm and for that industry more broadly. So I think that that's an important model to kind of bear in mind. Um, and certainly I would think that pieces like that will be part of the overall, you know, puzzle or solution that we provide um, as a university and part of this workforce development program. As we're thinking about that, I mean, to be successful with this contract award application, some awesome stuff has to be happening here already in the bioscience space. Can you talk a little bit about what's already happening and, and, and what you're trying to leverage as we, as we grow this thing out? Nicole, maybe you can start there. Sure. So we, you know, not only in Missoula, but regionally and statewide, um, a lot of people don't necessarily, you know, if you think about bioscience, the first thing that comes to mind might be like lab technicians or like lots of people, you know, looking at cultures of cells in labs, and that's definitely part of it. But um, a big part of what makes Missoula strong in the bioscience sector is our forestry program, our forest products, our um, the expertise in our uh, life sciences, um, for forest science uh, sort of stuff. So that's a big component as well, and um, and. And the, the strength of that program is a big factor in why we got this award. Um, as far as other successes uh, locally, um, one great story that we tell all the time is about Inimmune um, and the, the leadership of that company that um, 
where their their parent company uh, was looking at moving uh, their their lab to Maryland and their research function to Maryland, and the workers uh, um, were able to partner with the University of Montana um, to stay in Missoula and create this new company, Inimmune, that is housed in the Montech, and um, and so it's a great partnership. It's a great story about how um, you know you can partner with our educational system to sort of incubate new companies and. That company uh, is uh, developing new patents and new research, taking their work in a new direction. Awesome. Anything to add there, Brigida? Sure. So bioscience is very broad, right? Yeah, I immediately thought health sciences when I first started thinking about Mm -hmm. this initiative, but so much more. Mm -hmm. So if you want to break that down into maybe three primary buckets, I think about it when we talk about bio, we're talking about Um, healing, fueling, and feeding the world, right? And so Montana certainly has longstanding expertise in feeding the world, and and now what we've seen is that we have growing expertise in healing, right, the healing component of that. So Nicole talked a little bit about um, what's happening here locally, and indeed, you know, the University of Montana is well known for its biosciences, you know, work that it's doing in conjunction with neuroscience, uh, research on Alzheimer's, uh, traumatic brain industry, I'm sorry, traumatic brain injury. Um, and, you know, the McLaughlin Institute exists in our state. They've also done pioneering work in, in this regard. Uh, just to the south, I mean, Nicole referenced GlaxoSmithKline and the work that they're currently doing in vaccine research and development. You know, Inimmune ties into this. They're doing re- vaccine research and development, including like, vaccines for cancer, to cure cancer. Um, if we look over in other parts of our state, because this is a statewide initiative, and the, to your why Montana question, um, you know, Montana State University and over in Bozeman, they have some expertise, uh, some, some substantial expertise in things like non-opioid pain medicine. This is an important thing to tackle for our nation right now as a whole. Um, and also in, in CRISPR technology, which can be used, uh, I just was listening to an NPR story this morning about um, editing uh, genes in relation to your immune system to help fight cancer. So vast amounts of expertise here in Montana. And just maybe one thing to circle back on that why Montana question that you asked before. Uh, Why not Montana, right? Nice. All the things that we've articulated here are important and speak to the business case that exists for bioscience in our state. But there are industries for which geography is paramount in their decision to site or to exist there. Mm -hmm. But this isn't really one of them, right? Whether we're talking about bioscience or photonics and optics or cloud computing, these are industries that are knowledge-based industries. Many of them have geographically agnostic business models. They could be anywhere, but they want to be in places where their employees want to stay for the long term. So I I do think there's a real case here in Montana uh, for having... Employ, loyal employees that want to stay given this place. I mean, I, I think our last panel even talked about this, this connection to place Absolutely. and that transcends. Yeah. So speaking of connection to place and the people in that place, uh, one of the great things about Innovate UM is it brings together a great group like this, people passionate about innovation, working together, uh, doing great things to advance the, you know, our local economy and beyond. Um, 
we just have a couple minutes left here, but Nicole and Brigitte, how can people in this room help advance the bioscience cluster initiative? Sure. Well, in terms of, you know, locally in our workforce uh, initiative aspect of this project, you know, we'll be bringing together, uh, like I said, uh, people from all across the educational system spectrum. So if that's you in this audience, I hope that you'll join us and be, be involved in that convening. Um, in terms of the, the overall work, I think, you know, in any kind of collaboration, we sort of have to focus on, you know, checking our assumptions. And, you know, and in, and in this project, we're really looking to business leaders to, you know, come to the forefront and tell us what their needs are in terms of the skills and talents that they need their workers to have going forward and what, and what those skills and talents will need to be, you know, in five or ten years as well. So, you know, as a, as a partner myself in this work, what we're trying to do in MEP is just kind of step back and let business and industry leaders kind of lead the way and, um, and tell us their needs. And as, you know, the solution providers and conveners and collaborators, we're going to, you know, try to not come to that conversation thinking that we already have the solution and that we already know what those needs are. So um, we're going to be doing a lot of listening. Super. Brigitte, what do you think about that? All good ideas. You should listen to Nicole. She really knows her stuff. Um, and then I, I guess maybe my comment would be more overarching, um, and to your point about the people in the room here yeah. wanting to make a difference. You know, last year's Innovate UM really spent a lot of time focusing on envisioning the innovation ecosystem and, and what that looks like. And, and there were conversations, subsequent conversations about, you know, maybe Montech being a, that place that really showcased our, our, our or was a, a place for our bioscience industry to develop. And after that meeting, you know, I challenged myself and I challenged my team to really think what could we do to move the needle forward on, you know, what did we have? What skills did we have that we could help with this? And um, so as a result of that, we actually found out about this particular contract award through, you know, the Innovative Cluster Award Series that's offered through the SBA. We said, you know, I think we've got a shot at this. I think this can provide some important capital to help fund these ideas that we have and that are continuing to evolve here. I think we have the right connections and collaborative partners that will want to participate in this. Let's do it. And we did. And of course, this formula doesn't result in a you know, home run every single time, but mm -hmm. the process is so very important, right? Everybody in this room here, you're going to leave today with so many good ideas. And I think that it Sometimes there are so many good ideas and then there's the mountain of emails awaiting when you come back to your desk that you forget. What is that one thing that I'm going to do today? What is that one thing that I'm going to take from this event? What skills do I have that can help move our community forward? So whether we're talking about the bioscience cluster initiative or just you know, broader economic development in this community, I invite you to really kind of think about what you have to offer and act on that. That's, that's all. That's a lot, and that's awesome. And huge congratulations to the two of you and to all the partners for securing this contract award. It's, it's really going to be transformative in, in, in this state, and we just look forward to really exciting things to come. And, and folks, get involved. Many of you are involved, and it's such a tremendous opportunity for this state. So thank you for the great work. Thank you.
A New Angle is underwritten by First Security Bank and Blackfoot Communications, two cool companies doing awesome things all over Montana. Hi, this is Anya Jabor, Regents Professor of History at the University of Montana, and you are listening to A New Angle. Awesome. So quick transition here to our, our next sort of micro panel. That's an ultra technical term, micro panel. Sounds very innovative, doesn't it? We're innovating right here in real time. We have a micro panel that just appeared in front of my eyes. Aaron took the couch. So we have Aaron, Aaron Switzalski from the, uh, uh, what you might not know is that Aaron's daughter and my daughter are like BFFs, so I should know how to pronounce her last name. And she's been on the podcast before, so two strikes. Anyway, Aaron is the Community Partnerships Director over at the Headwaters Foundation. And we also have Ryan Tolleson-Nee, who's a professor of social work at the University of Montana. He's also the director of the Center for Children, Families, and Workforce Development. So we're going to kind of shift gears and talk maybe uh, about things that um, we need to do to build the fiber of our community, and that is early childhood development. Uh, and the Zero to Five initiative that Headwaters is collaborating with um, not only Ryan and his team, but a couple other partners in the region. So, Aaron, what can you tell us about the Zero to Five initiative? So, Zero to Five is um, it's initiati- an initiative that Headwaters Foundation has invested in. Our funding re- region is Western Montana. And we're really focusing on um, building a statewide powerful network that can build the resiliency of children and families. So the way that this is rolling out is through building, uh, really supporting local collaborations on the ground in Western Montana and um, also seeding a statewide office. And this statewide office will be in charge of coordinating uh, strategy, research, uh, advocacy, and policy to help move the needle on early childhood in the state. So what we really want to see is how can we make sure that every woman gets uh, the prenatal care that she needs, that gets the postpartum care that she needs? How does every child show up ready for kindergarten? How does every parent get the support that they need to be the best parent they can? Because I don't know about you, but I didn't get my manual when I had my kids. And so we want to help parents uh, figure out what can they do to support uh, their kids in the earliest years. We've partnered with uh, the university, the the Center for Children, Families, and Workforce Development, with ChildWise, another partner out of Helena, and Healthy Mothers, Healthy Babies, as the lead partners for this statewide office that can help bring expertise and coordination to what will really be a statewide um, effort focused and driven by local communities on the ground in western Montana. So, Ryan, let's pull the lens back just a little bit and talk a little bit about why is it so critical to focus on this particular age range, early childhood? Sure. Uh, as was mentioned earlier, too, you, uh, Big Sky High School students had mentioned uh, a couple of different uh, issues that Montana's contending with and have been contending with for a long period of time, having to do with uh, mental illness, uh, suicide rates, uh, also substance abuse. And we haven't done a very good job in the state taking a look at what we can do upstream in order to prevent some of these problems from happening in the first place. A lot of our resources that we've put in uh, to these particular problems have been on the treatment and intervention end. So uh, whether it's money from uh, foundations, which has been very little, and there hasn't been that much over the years, certainly in Montana, or whether from the state, 
Uh, a lot of it has been in intervention and in treatment. So we continue to be in a position where in Montana, and none of us want to see these rankings, but we're either the first or second in those worst areas that we don't want to see or else we're in the bottom in the 48th, 49th, or 50th state in terms of some of the areas we struggle in. And I think that uh, I, as a parent of four, um, and been working the system for a long time, trying to figure out what is it that we can do by learning from other states and other countries that are doing this better so that we're not in those positions as years continue to go on. So in the next generation is healthier, they have uh, more protective factors, resilient skills. They're able to offset some of these problems better than what we have now. Uh, especially when you look at rural and isolated areas in Montana, where they have very few resources available. So uh, whether it's counseling services or uh, school-based uh, kind of resources, there are many uh, fewer and further between in terms of having those resources available. So we've got to figure out what is it that we can do to get more innovated uh, in order to figure out how we can help uh, children and families in a way that we haven't done it before. And a lot of that is based on focusing on these first five years to make sure that uh, we set a, a good foundation, we have uh, innovative services in place, we help parents do better than they're doing now in order to ensure that uh, we can create a healthier Montana in the near future. And do we know from the research that there's a link between these first five years and, and downstream later in life effects and health, et cetera? Yeah, we see it across the board where you, if you take a look at those first five years as being so critical in terms of that foundational part of that groundwork and a lot of this neuroplasticity that happens beyond that, we ought to make sure that they're not behind in terms of school readiness, as uh, Aaron has mentioned, that a lot of times it's difficult for those kids then to catch up, even when they're uh, coming into kindergarten and they're not uh, performing to standards in terms of reading levels or symbol recognition or social-emotional learning. So it's very difficult for those children to begin to catch up in the later years, and oftentimes they may uh, get frustrated and not be able to regulate themselves emotionally. They may have behavioral outbursts and problems in class, and all of a sudden they end up uh, being a kid that's targeted in some way that probably we could have gotten on top of that earlier on in order to prevent that from happening in the first place. And once they that happens, a lot of times they end up getting into a system that is very difficult to get them out of. So if we can prevent that from happening in the first place, then we have a higher likelihood of their success in the future. Sure. Yeah, Aaron. if I can uh, build onto that, you, the social-emotional piece is critical, but what's also really fascinating is that a landmark study that was done in 1998, it's called the um, Adverse Child Experiences Study, and this study really proved that not only do, can kids, you know, have these social-emotional effects or have trouble with crime, get involved with other systems, but it really leads to actual physical problems in health later in life. It increases, it can increase threefold risk of heart disease, obesity, um, even forms of cancer, autoimmune disease. So this research really showed that at the critical timing of when these adverse childhood experiences happen to you really can predict whether you're gonna live a long, healthy life or not. And so not only do we want to, you know, make sure we can prevent these experiences from happening to ensure kind of healthy participants in our community, but it really does dictate whether people are going to be um, having physical ailments down the road. And Aaron, so Headwaters is, is, a, is a funding organization, and when you, when you give money, you want results. And so we're thinking of creating structures around being able to you know, do research on best practices and affect outcomes and also 
uh, learn things that we can generalize and share with other communities and help them implement. How have, how have you thought about um, creating that structure with this, with this initiative? Yeah, so our foundation is uh, relatively new, and we've just done our first round of grants this last fall. So we're really just coming up on a year of, of grant making. Um, but what we're really committed to is the core value that we want the work to be community-driven. So that might mean that in the short term, it's a little harder to see some of those uh, sure. programmatic results quickly. So some of those results for us are around our community starting to collaborate together. One of the things that we've seen in early childhood for a long time in this state is that the only people that are really at the table are the people, our child care providers, people working directly with kids. But in order to really make an impact on this, to change the entire system and improve outcome for kids overall, we need everyone at the table. We need business leaders at the table. We need um, heads of hospitals and healthcare providers at the table. We need uh, the faith community at the table. We need everyone at the table to really invest in our kids early on so that we can improve outcomes down the road. And so that's one of the things that we're really focused on is how do we build out community collaboration models that can help bring in these players and highlight um, how different players can bring their skills and expertise to bear to actually improve outcomes for kids. And Ryan, how does your, what are the mechanics of how you kind of plug in as both a faculty member doing active research and also uh, I assume you have, uh, I, don't, I don't know if you do clinical work as well, but uh, yeah, how do you sort of plug in the, the academic professional existence in your center into this work? Sure. One of the areas that was mentioned earlier uh, by Matthew was related to applied research. And so what we want to do more than anything else is sort of get rid of the chasm that has existed traditionally between higher education and the community problems that uh, are, exist around us. So the way it's, higher ed's been structured is kind of provide some barriers for that to happen. And we want to make sure that what we're doing more than anything else is understanding what those problems are and figuring out how it is that we can take research and data and apply it to those problems in the state of Montana, the city of Missoula, so that they're not separated between the two. And so that we are active participants in that problem, just like uh, Aaron has mentioned, so that we're at the table bringing that knowledge to uh, those particular problems that exist and addressing those needs in the community. So a lot of it isn't necessarily creating new research, although there's certainly some of that that we do. But there's also an, an aggregating of existing research that's been done out there. There's a lot of research studies that have been done that can tell us many different things in terms of approaches for evidence-based interventions to address these particular problems. But we really don't understand how to translate it into programs and services at the local level. So there ends up being this chasm between the two where we have a difficult time trying to figure out how is it that we go about implementing this, how can we measure our success, how can we see whether or not we're actually moving that needle. So part of our job is to make sure that we can translate a lot of those studies that have been done and the data that exists into sort of tangible results so that people can employ those in the programs and services that they have in place. So you, you mentioned the unfortunate reality that, um, you know, Montana ranks near the bottom in a lot of the bad categories in New or. Yeah, so however you framed it. We're at the bottom of the wrong list and at the top of the wrong lists. And you know, that, that presents with it some, or what comes with that are some real obstacles to this work. Can you talk about some of those specific obstacles and, and, and maybe some of the approaches you're thinking about in this initiative to overcome them? Aaron, you want to take that? Well, I'll mention one thing and I'll turn it over to our research guy here. Um, 
I think one of the challenges is I, I don't think that parents have necessarily been engaged in developing the solutions around the programs and services that they need. And so one of the challenges is how do you serve people when you don't know what they need, right? When they've never really been asked or brought to the table. And so our hope is that through these community-led collaborations, they're really able to bring parents in or to reach parents where they're at, not to bring them to our tables, but to figure out how to actually go out and um, reach parents, understand what their needs are, and then ask them what solutions they would like to see and develop programs from that. So I think that's one bridge that we're hoping to divide with this collaboration. Okay. I would say another one, too, is trying to get, as uh, Aaron mentioned earlier as well, is having all kinds of active problem solvers at the, uh, at the table so that there are, whether it's from private business, whether it's from the public sector, active problem solvers are at the table who are trying to figure out how is it we go about doing business differently. <clears throat> so having kind of an entrepreneurial spirit around these social problems is absolutely critical to solving them. I think that, uh, I, I don't know how many times I've heard the, the saying over the last few decades, um, this is the way we've always done it. Well, this is the way we approach this problem in Montana. Well, I, I don't really care anymore. Maybe I'm getting too old and too impatient. Right. Um, but we shouldn't be approaching that problem that way anymore. Those days have got to be over. So we've got to have people also who are willing to take a risk and try something new. And that's part of what Headwaters has done in this particular situation and saying, we're going to try something different and we're going to take a risk. And you know what? It may be that... Uh, it might not work, but either we're going to succeed big or we'll, we'll fail big, but we're going to at least try something new and different. Yeah. And do we have time? Yeah, another one-handed clap. we got loads of time. Okay, great. <laughs> I was just going to bring up one particular challenge that's um, probably relevant to a lot of folks in this uh, room that you've probably seen, but Montana can't even meet 50% of the uh, child care needs in the state. So you have parents that want to work, but they have nowhere to take their kids. Mm -hmm. You have employers that need employees and they have uh, no labor pool because there's parents that need to stay home with their kids. Um, so that's one thing where we're really uh, looking at partnerships with the business community to help figure out how do we create more quality childcare in the state and how do businesses help with this solution. I had the chance to visit um, Zoo Industries out of Bozeman, and they have an on-site child care center. Um, so they're, you know, employees, they pay, but it's the same rate as most other child care places in town. And it's been really great for them as a business and also really great for the, the parents uh, who are able to kind of go in and check on their kids during the day. Um, so we're, you know, really excited to think about how businesses can engage in this and help solve some of these problems here in the state. So that's a nice way to kind of transition into the question I asked the previous guests. You know, people in this room, people that care about this issue, people that care about the health and fiber of this community, how can they get involved and, and help move the needle on these, uh, on these early childhood uh, efforts? Ryan, you want to take that first? Yeah, I think I would just reiterate what was said earlier with respect to trying to get everybody at the table. So it isn't something that uh, these problems aren't ones that are going to be solved just by uh, people in academia. They're not going to be solved by people who are providing services directly. Um, I think it's going to take a cluster of people moving together in order to make sure that we get really kind of these innovative thinkers together to figure out how we solve problems and figuring out what resources we need to bring to make that happen. So I hope whether it's uh, business leaders or whether it's people who are uh, 
working on problems and studying problems, doing research in uh, academic units, uh, or whether it's people who are providing direct practice on an ongoing basis, that we bring everybody together to have these kind of conversations. We've kind of been on these treadmills running next to each other, trying to work on similar problems while we have headphones on. And it's like we're working on the same problems, we're going the same direction, but we're not having conversations with one another, and no one's winning that race. Um, so trying to figure out how it is that we can get together and have these conversations and identify what these problems are and move forward. And I'd also say not spending an inordinate amount of time uh, thinking about them and planning forever, but we just need to do something. We need to have action. Uh, we need to move forward with something so that we don't stay stuck with where we've been. As a fellow, yeah. <laughs> As a fellow academic, I definitely uh, appreciate that sentiment of let, let's do something and stop thinking about it. Uh, Aaron, anything to add on the community ask here? Um. Yeah, I mean, I think that in each of these communities there in Western Montana, there are local collaborations that are starting to be seeded. And so here in Missoula, we have um, Zero to Five Missoula, which is anchored at the United Way. And I think getting involved in the local collaboration, looking for events, figuring out how you can um, understand the problems that are specific to Missoula and offering up expertise to the local collaboration is going to be welcome. And also, I think really connections throughout the state, connecting people to what's happening in other local communities is really key as well. So um, I think kind of through that local vehicle, trying to um, just engage in that way is probably the best way. Awesome. Well, Aaron, Ryan, thank you so much for, for illuminating this important topic for our crew here. I think uh, the people in this room are probably here because they enjoy solving problems. I mean, that's kind of at the heart of innovation. So uh, thank you for sharing. And thank, thanks to all of you. And hopefully you can get involved in, in helping to pitch in and solve some of these important problems in our community. Um, so anyway, on to the next thing. Okay, hope you enjoyed that one. Innovate UM is such a cool event, and I encourage you to check out future iterations. All right, coming up next week, we have Lee Greenwood, Forest Health Program Director at the Nature Conservancy. Get ready to learn all about things you may never have thought about before, like wood pallets, next week. Thanks for listening to A New Angle. We really appreciate it. And we're coming to you from Studio 49, a gift from University of Montana alums Michelle and Lauren Hansen. And remember that A New Angle is supported by CED, Consolidated Electrical Distributors. These guys pretty much sell anything electrical you would ever need, but they also hire a ton of our students. If you want to learn more about jobs at CED, visit cedcareers.com. And before we go, I want to thank some important peeps. Executive producer, Stefan Borsum. Producer, Aidan Morton. And interns, Aspen Runkle and Max Gibson. Huge thanks to VTO, Jeff Ament, and John Wicks for the tunes. And finally, props to Jeff Meese, our master of all things sound. Finally, if you have any questions, suggestions, comments, insults, whatever, please email me at anewangle at umontana.edu. Help us spread the word, and be sure to use the hashtag anewangle when you do. Thanks a lot, and see you next time. <laughs>